Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you here today. Thank you for choosing to worship God with us here at St. Mark's. We're beginning a new sermon series today based on the lectionary passages from the book of Acts. And the sermon series is called Surprise, the Unexpected Acts of God. The Unexpected Acts of God. And our passage of scripture today is this passage from Acts chapter 5. Verse 27 through 32. As I was reading the scripture this morning, uh, for this morning, I was reminded of about 15 years ago, I went to a contemporary Christian music festival. It was one of those all-day musical events. It's sort of like a Bonnaroo for believers or a, a Coachella for Christ, you know. It's just one of those big things. And I, I don't really remember a lot about the particular people that performed there that day, the individuals or the groups. But Because what I remember most vividly about that day was that there was a guy walking around the grounds all day long that had on a t-shirt that said, I don't like Christians. Now, I know mama said you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And I know that even God spoke to Samuel and said, you know, you and I look at different things when we're valuing someone. You look at the outside and I look at what's on the heart. I'm here to tell you, folks, those that guy looked exactly like you think he looked, the one that had the I don't like Christians on his shirt. He had this long, black, stringy, nasty hair, looked like he hadn't uh, washed it in weeks. He had on these dark sunglasses. He had on a black shirt, black pants, black socks, black shoes. I couldn't see any piercings or tattoos, but you know people put those in lots of creative places nowadays, and so I can't be sure. Now, this guy apparently showed up early and he stayed late. I, I didn't see him until the end of the day, but, but I know he was there early because everywhere you went on the grounds, people were saying things like, did you see the guy with the I don't like Christian shirt on? Uh, what's he doing here? Is this what the world's come to? We can't even throw a good celebration of Jesus without somebody crashing the party. Are they going to ask him to leave? Is somebody going to make him take the T-shirt off? Are we going to keep an eye on him? Maybe a sign of sheriff's deputy to kind of follow him around and make sure he's not here for some sinister purposes? I didn't see the guy with my own two eyes until late in the evening. And when I saw the guy, he was up near the stage. And, and, and when I saw the guy, he is actually worked his way behind the gate, the, the, the gate that separated the stage from the crowd, and he was actually walking up the steps onto the main stage. And that surprised me a little bit. Even more surprising, the guy grabbed a microphone. It was between musical acts. He grabbed one of the microphones and started speaking into it, and the microphone was hot, meaning it... Everybody could hear what the guy was saying. And then I was surprised that, that nobody cut the microphone off. I mean, here he is now standing in the middle of the stage with all of these lights shining down on him on this shirt that I don't like Christians. And he proceeded to tell everybody that his name was John Crow. 
And I thought, isn't that about right? Crows feast on freshly carcass, freshly dead carcasses and weak animals. Here's this guy here with his I don't like Christian shirt. And he's here to feast on all of these Christians at the concert. What was more surprising to me that somehow this guy had found his way on stage, that somehow this guy had gotten a microphone that was still on and that nobody cut it off was what he said next. He said, my name is John Crow, and I'm an evangelist. And then he took off this wig that he had on, and he took his dark sunglasses off, and I'm like, well, yeah, that looks more like an evangelist. I mean, nice, clean cut, you know, look good. And he said, I was actually hired by the organizers of this event. And I decided to wear this T-shirt. I don't like Christians because I wanted a sense of just how many people would care enough to engage me in conversation. Either to ask me what was my experience that led me not to like Christians. Or to give me a reason to like Christians. He said, but right before I walked on the stage tonight, I got the latest numbers of all the people that were here. There were 3,000 people here today for this contemporary Christian uh, festival. Would you like to guess how many people actually engaged me in any kind of conversation? Four. Four out of 3,000. I was surprised. Surprised that a guy would show up at a Christian concert wearing a shirt that says, I don't like Christians. Surprised that the guy who wore the t-shirt that says, I don't like Christians, turns out that he is a Christian. And not only that, he's a preacher. Uh, surprised that uh, out of 3,000 people on the grounds that day, that only four people came and said anything to him. Surprised. You know, surprises, they can be good and they can be bad, right? Uh, some surprises can be great. Some surprises can be awful. And, and there are lots of surprises in this book that we uh, love so much and hold in such high regard. Uh, surprises not to God. I, I, I get the sense that God's really not surprised by much. Uh, and, and maybe not even surprising to many of you because you've heard these stories so frequently, so often throughout your life that, that the shock value of many of them, the surprise factor of many of them is just sort of lost on you because they're just so doggone familiar. And yet if you Read the Scripture through uh, the perspective or through the lens of having never heard the story before. There are all sorts of surprises here. And this morning, I want to focus on the surprising turnaround of Simon Peter. 
the surprising turnaround of Simon Peter. Now, what I did last week is that I went through all of the Gospels and I looked for every single reference to Simon Peter in the Gospels and in Acts. And what I quickly learned is that while Peter does have moments where he just seems to shine, uh, that is really not the case in the final days and the final hours of Jesus' life. A little over a week ago, Thursday a week ago, we gathered together for the, and commemorated the Last Supper during Holy Week. You might remember that that's the Last Supper that Jesus had with the disciples before he was crucified. You might remember that at that Last Supper, Jesus told all of the disciples that were gathered there that they would end up deserting him. And you might remember that old Simon Peter popped up at the table and said, Well, everybody else may desert you, Jesus, but I won't desert you. I will never desert you. And Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, Well, not only will you uh, desert me, Peter, but you'll do it tonight. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me on three separate occasions. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, I might end up dying with you, but I will never deny you. And it didn't take long after that, in the moment of Jesus' greatest need, Jesus was right. Peter did exactly what Jesus predicted that he would do, and he denied him. Well, right after that Last Supper, Jesus invited some of the disciples to go with him in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He took Peter and two others a little further into the garden. He said, I want you to stay here. I want you to stay awake. I want you to stay alert. I want you to keep watch while I go pray. Jesus goes off and prays, and Jesus comes back, and guess what? Peter and the other two disciples are sound asleep. And so Jesus wakes him up and says, look, can you not even stay awake for an hour? I'm going to give you another chance to do this. Let's see if we can get it right this time. Jesus leaves them there to stay watch. He goes off to pray again. He comes back. Guess what? They're asleep again. You'd think that the third time might be the charm, but the third time happens, they're still asleep. The only thing that spared it from happening a fourth time was that Judas showed up with a bunch of soldiers, and they were there to arrest Jesus so that he would end up being crucified. And Peter didn't like that at all. I guess he finally woke up enough to see what was going on. He pulls out his sword. He lops off the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus says, put that sword back in the sheath, Peter. This is what is supposed to happen. This is to fulfill what the scriptures say. And then when Jesus was crucified the next day, Simon Peter was nowhere to be found. He had taken off running. He had deserted Jesus just like Jesus had predicted that he would do. Well, but something has happened, something rather surprising. You would think after all of the ways that he'd failed Jesus that, that, that he would continue to show evidence of being a scaredy cat, that he would continue to, to desert and deny Jesus. And yet, when we get to our scripture lesson today, there's been a surprising turnaround for Peter Peter and some of the other apostles have just been arrested for the second time. They've been thrown into jail, and uh, an angel comes in the middle of the night and lets them out of jail, sort of freaks Peter out, uh, freaks uh, the religious authorities out. They call them back in, and they ask them about what has happened, and, and Peter says, you know what? I can't keep quiet. I, I may have denied Jesus before, but now I'm not going to stop testifying. 
about Jesus. I, I may have run from the cross before, but now I'm going to lift high the cross. What had changed? What had caused this surprising turnaround in Peter's life? Well, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead... And before Jesus ascended into heaven to go back to be with God, Jesus said, I want you all to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to wait there. I want you to pray there for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the things that this Holy Spirit is going to do for you, disciples, it's going to empower you so that you can do things that you could not or would not do before. It's going to empower you to be able to say things that you could not or would not say before. It's going to empower you to be able to do things that you previously thought were impossible. And then we're told, that on Pentecost, that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit came. Not just on Peter and the disciples, but upon so many other thousands of people. And the surprise was that Peter, once denying, was now testifying. Once uh, running away from the cross, now lifting high the cross. And the surprising thing perhaps to us today is that the same Holy Spirit, the same fresh anointing that equipped the disciples in Jesus' day to do what they could not previously do, is available to you and to me. It's an opportunity for us to pray, to wait, and to expect this power to come upon us, upon our church, upon our world. Why don't we spend this next week waiting praying and expecting it to come anew for us.